Welcome to Morley Guest, a series of informal conversations with visitors to the college. My name is Colin. I'm an acting student on the Acting Foundation at Morley. And I'm Jenny. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> Little partridge uh, element there. And we're talking today to Johnny Harris. And we're going to be asking questions about the industry and the career in acting. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. What role did Morley play in you becoming an actor? How, how important was Morley to you? Um, it was fundamental, uh, like absolutely um, pivotal. I mean, in many ways, you know, it's the, it's the, um, it's the soul. Uh, uh, it, it was the launch pad for me, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm local, I'm from around here, you know, and um, uh, decided that I wanted to become an actor. Um, and, and I mentioned it to my, to my mum, I think, in conversation. And I was going to try and audition for one of the big drama schools. And then it became very evident to me that I couldn't afford it. I simply couldn't afford uh, the audition in most cases, you know, like um, I think Rada at the time was 50 quid back then, mm. you know, it's the equivalent of like 400 quid now. And uh, I just couldn't do it. And, um, and my mum kind of mentioned I'd not even heard of Morley College. I would have been in my early 20s then. Oh. And I only lived not far away, you know. And so um, my mum, thankfully, said, oh, I think Morley College do an acting course. And if I'm honest, I was a bit sniffy about it at the time because I'd never heard of the college and I had these grandiose kind of ideas and I was reading all sorts of biographies about Richard Burton and all those guys and I wanted to be that. I just saw myself at RADA or one of these big schools, you know, um, and, and I was convinced in my head. And I'd already messed up my earlier education. You know, I left school young and stuff. And so... So what, what were you doing at that, that point then? I was... Um, I was a locksmith. I, so my story is I was a boxer. I was a, a champion boxer as a kid and for you know whatever reasons really I left school very young and that boxing club got me an apprenticeship so I was a locksmith and then I fell in love and I ran away to Paris and, and then I came back from Paris and so I was still kind of a locksmith I was still doing a bit of that and working on building sites and things like that really you know just doing jobs that you know working class people do around here any jobs really I worked in restaurants I did all sorts of things so what was the yeah. initial instinct your like, spark that yeah. made I, you want to... My, my, my memory of it is, I don't think you can... It's so hard to pinpoint these yeah. things, you know? Like, you can lie and come up with some, like, romantic moment where you knew... Or maybe it's that for some people, but Paris in general. When I was living over in Paris, and it's funny because I did an interview here earlier with Robert Elms, and he had the similar experience, but within London. So I don't, th I don't mean Paris as a city. Right. I just mean <clears throat> the experience of going away for me kind of gave me a, a clean page. It was over there that I realised I could be anything I wanted to be, you know, and whether that's true or not, I don't know. But the idea of that right. became evident to me in Paris. I was working in a big restaurant where the class divide was smashed away. You know, like I was working with kids from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, people who were doing all sorts of things. You know, most of them were on a gap year from college. So it was the first time I was ever hanging around with students. Some of them were in bands. Some of them were doing mime courses, you know, in Paris at the Lecoq School. Mm -hmm. Some of them were poets, you know, and it just kind of made me think, why can't I do that? You know, and and coincidentally, um, I really got into cinema over there as well. There was a little independent cinema um, that used to show kind of really um, amazing films. It show, I remember Clockwork Orange was shown there and it was banned in England. And just for that reason alone, I went to see it. It yeah. was like, what is this film? Yeah. And that got me into really great movies. Like, you know, I was seeing sort of French films over there, um, Italian Renaissance films. I, I, I was seeing... Um, I, I really got opened up to cinema and things like that. And I think the mixture of all of that 
meant that when I came back to London, because I went out there for a relationship, there was a girl I fell in love with, and, and we were young, we split up. And so when I came back to London, I came back with it in me that, one, I could do anything I wanted, two, that I wanted to be an actor, and that I wanted to go and study for it. What's interesting is, is I saw it as a craft, even then, even before I'd got into it. You know, the films I was watching and the stuff that I'd started reading, I knew it was a craft, and I knew that for whatever reason, I had to study this thing. And so that was when I came back, and that's how I, Morley College played its part, was I knew I had to go to a college. I realised then that the, um, the kind of prominent schools that we've all heard of and the ones that I looked up at the back of the stage were all very expensive, yeah. and that's when my mum suggested Morley College. And I arrived through the door at Morley College, like, just like that, really. Mm. I turned up on prospectus night, and completely randomly I bumped into an acting teacher called Craig Snelling, who, you know, the, the lobby just outside here was full up, it was packed with people. And I bumped into a man who I now know to be Craig Snelling, the acting tutor. And I said to him, excuse me, do you do acting classes here? And he said, yes, we do. He said, I'm doing one now. Come with me. Come and join in. And I was like, oh, but, but, but. And my fear kicked in, I think. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, but, but, but. He said, look, do you want to do this or not? You know, come with me. Yeah. And you went and to an acting class I was in an there. acting class that night. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that night. Yeah. And, and that uh, was the first ever acting you'd ever done no school plays nothing no I I, you know I left school at 13 and so we would have had drama classes in school Mm. but I don't really have any memory of them at all actually I I have no memory of them yeah no my first um, memories of of acting was here was here yeah yeah and you stayed here for Three years. Yeah, it would have been about three years. Like, I, if I'm honest, I've forgotten the time frame. But like, I did the beginners class first. I yeah. did the acting for beginners class. Um, and then when we finished that class, it was like, well, what are you going to do now? You know. And it was like, well, I knew there was an intermediate class, yeah. so I then done that. And just as I kind of got a bit better, I guess, you know, as I improved, I started doing sort of more complex classes. And that's the beauty of Morley College. Mm. You know, is that there's you can do classes from all levels. You know, yeah. and so I kind of did that. I had the classes. I grew with the classes, really. Me too. And yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's cool. And, um, and so it must have been three years, I think. It must so, have been. So did you do performances here, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah, my first ever performance was in what was then called um, C10. Yeah. It's now called the Johnny Harris Studio <laughs> Theatre. I, I, you do not know what that means to me. Like it's, I still can't fully get my head around that, but it's very, very humbling. because, And that's why. You know, that little staircase that you guys yeah. know very well, for people yeah. who don't know, you know, there's a there's a lovely studio theatre in Morley College, mm. and it used to be called C10, and the college very, very kindly um, renamed it as part of the thingy, uh, the Johnny Harris Studio mm. Theatre, and we're planning to do great things in there next year, you know, um, some really cool things, Q&As yeah. and some showcases where agents and casting directors are going to come down to see the students and um so it's it's really exciting but the for anyone who's not been here you know there's like a little stairwell that leads you up to this uh performance space and i remember so clearly standing on that stairwell ready to go on and do my first monologue in front of an audience can you remember what it was it was yeah it was rhinoceros by ionescu oh, and no. um and 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 even how that came about you know like because you know, we were all giving each other suggestions. Oh, yeah. maybe you should try this monologue. Yeah, maybe you should doing. try. Yeah, you know, and it was great. And um, yeah. I love hearing it. I love hearing you guys <laughs> saying it, making me smile. And um, and invariably, people would give me kind of like you know uh, social realism sort of pieces and angry young men yeah, pieces. You know, yeah, and that's what I get. Yeah, do you really? Yeah, yeah. and uh, like, so, I'd get, uh, so that piece is like absurdist. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah, I remember getting on the waterfront, and I loved all of them. I loved. Uh, exploring all of those entertaining Mr. Sloan all of that but they were all quite very angry young men sort of roles and and then um, someone gave me this monologue about rhinoceroses taking over the world yeah. and the truth of it is 
rightly or wrongly, those, those angry... I realise now some of it was because I was very raw as an actor, but it felt to me like some of those angry roles, they weren't touching the sides for me. They weren't getting close to my anger. Like I was Because oh. I think at that point, acting was still very much a very cathartic thing for me. And it still can be, very much so. Like That's definitely a part of... Um, why I love acting is that you can discover all sorts of things within it, but it does evolve. It becomes different things as you evolve as a performer, mm. I think. And it starts to become something where you serve the audience as opposed to serve yourself. And back then I was very much serving myself, you know, like it was a place for me to let out whatever that energy was inside. Mm. And so when I was playing these angry young men, because I couldn't fully unlock some of the texts or in some cases, because the writers weren't mm. touching what I needed to be touched, you know, maybe, I still felt quite restrained. And then someone gave me this play about, or a monologue about rhinoceroses taking over the world. And uh, Berenger, the lead character, he's the last man left. And this final monologue is all about him on his own. His wife has just left and, and she's become a rhinoceros now. And he's the last man left. And he has this kind of existential conversation with himself about whether he should have gone with them. And I learned much, much later, actually, I learned that it was Ionescu's uh, retort, I guess, to um, to the Nazi yeah. invasions yeah. and, you know, and the growth of Nazism in Germany and how good people can turn bad, you know. Right. Um, and so I didn't know that at the time. I genuinely thought it was about my life. And it was... Uh, you know, it, it, for me, it was all about the council estates in the elephant and castle, and it was about you know me, me losing uh, the chance to get yeah. a normal job and yeah. to get you know and to go down that path and and um, and well, that's, I that's brilliant writing. I, I came it? alive. Oh, it's like when you tap into Shakespeare or something. You mm. know, it can be anything. It can it can be about anything you want it to be internally. You know, and then and when you really master how to do that, that's when it becomes really exciting to watch. Yeah. When you're seeing an actor, and it doesn't matter if they're saying language that you don't even understand. I can watch. Uh, let's use Shakespeare as an example. You know, but uh, or, or or to be honest, to to make it more relevant, even certain grime artists and stuff. Obviously, you know, I'm a 45 year old white male. You know, there are certain words that they're using that I just don't understand, and it's so fast. Yeah. But when I watch a good performer yeah. deliver that stuff, it's potent. Yeah. You know that something's going on. They're speaking from the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes to my heart, mm. and that's what happens as an audience. So mm. I came alive with those performances, and um, and I remember that apparently I called line for people who don't know. But if an actor forgets his line, you know, he calls line, and someone's waiting in the wings to to give him the line. I called line thirteen times. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I was terrible. Well, I wasn't terrible. I was just a nervous wreck, you know, and um, <laughs> full of energy, like mad anger energy, you know, and. Um, and it and it, it burst out, and I called line thirteen times, and then I came off thinking I wanted to cry. I yeah. thought, oh, that was a disaster, like you know. And I just remember Craig had a big smile, and he opened his arms out, and he said, "You were amazing, you were amazing," and he gave me a big cuddle. And that's kind of what Morley College represents to me, you know, like it was a place where I could come and try, where I could fall on my mm -hmm. face, yeah. um, I could play, I could explore, I could learn, I could grow, I could. It was great. Mm. It was great, you know. Safe. Safe place, safe place. Yeah. safe place, and you have to be safe in acting, you know. What happened then? How do you go from acting classes to yeah. getting an agent or getting casting yeah. things, getting seen? Yeah, I'm going to start this by saying, as far as I'm concerned, there is no definite answer here. No. I wish I could sit and go do this, this, and this, and it will all work out. The fact is, it's one of the toughest professions. I always say there's two sides to acting. There's the performance. And there's the storytelling element. Yeah. There's the craft and the... No one can ever stop you from doing that. No. It's a beautiful thing. And some people come to Morley College 
just to do that, yeah. just to play and be free on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And that's what I loved about my class. You know, there was me, I was full of ego and I, you know, I was going to be the next day Lewis and that's it. You know, that was what my head was thinking. Whereas someone else in my class well, just wanted something to do on a Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, uh, Yeah, it's a lovely thing to explore and no one can ever stop you from doing that. Yeah. Then there's the other side of it, which is making a living at it. And that, I'm afraid to say, is just going to be difficult. Because it's an amazing thing and there's, everyone wants to do it, I guess. You know, if it was easy, we'd all do it. Yeah. But then that's the same thing. I want to be a rock god. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be Noel Gallagher, but I didn't learn a guitar, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and and there's a thousand people who probably could play at least as well as Noel Gallagher, but they didn't get the break. Mm. So whatever, for whatever reason, what you're going to need an element of luck. But what happened for me yeah. was um, when I left here, I was already... So infused, I was reading every book I could get and I was going to all of the fringe theatre plays that I could afford to go to and sometimes the West End if I could get a ticket. But I was going to my local fringe theatres and one of them was the White Bear in Kennington Um, and it's run by a guy called Mike Kingsbury and he was kind of intrigued, I think, because I was quite rough around the edges and he was just like, hi, you know, I see you keep coming back and what brings you here? And I said, oh, I'm studying at Morley College and I'm going to be an actor and he was like, right. And he was just one of those kind people in life you know and uh and he still runs that theater and it's an amazing theater for anyone who's not been here it's at the white bear pub on in kennington it's a phenomenal theater and also yeah because i'm going to be talking to the students at morley college and i think Mm. fringe theaters are an amazing place for you to go Mm. one to kind of um really learn your craft because it's one thing to learn the the you know the um techniques and and all of those things in college and that but then you have to like in any job you have to get out and get on the tools you know and and, or on the boards as they say in acting but you know and so for me, the fringe theatres were a godsend because, you know, I, I didn't, look, the truth of it is I didn't leave Morley College and have a, you know, uh, a load of casting directors queuing up. That's just not how it works, yeah. I'm afraid. You know, they've got a million people writing to them every day. And the truth of it was, in my instance, I didn't even really know how to write to them. I didn't have a CV. I didn't really know about any of that. Mm. So Mike Kingsbury said to me, um, what are you going to do now? He said, what's happening with your acting? And I said, I'm finishing soon. Would you like to come to the showcase? And, and he, I don't think he could make it, actually. But he said, look, what are you going to do next? And he said, have you got a CV and a photo? And I said, I don't know what a CV is. And he just talked me through it, bless him, and gave me a little lift up, which we all need sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, we've got some auditions coming up here and there's a play coming up and you might be good for one of the parts. I'll see if I can get you an audition. And he did. And it was a play called Her Alabaster Skin. And it won Time Out Critics' Choice. And uh, so we then got to go on uh, theatre in Camden afterwards. So, you know, and uh, and then just before that as well, Susie, um, uh, Susie Almond, who was also a student of Morley College on the writing side of things, she put uh, short plays on. And then also all of the students from Morley College, certainly um, Craig students, used to form theatre companies. And so we'd then go and do plays at the White Bear and put them on and places like the Landor Theatre in Clapham. And we'd just put on like um, a series of short plays. So, you know, each play would be sort of 10, 15 minutes or something. And and it gave everyone a chance to get up and act in front of a paying audience. And they were brilliant nights. Mm. And my experience was the audiences loved them because, you know, invariably there'd be one or two that maybe you wouldn't like or something. But, you know, roughly speaking, somewhere in those five plays, you were going to see something that you loved and something was going to happen because it was a live experience. And then they were always above pubs. So there was always a bit of a party or a nice evening after, you know, and it was it was just good times, you know, and we were all learning our trade. And Mm. I look back, I I honestly think 
make some of the best work I ever did was in those pubs. <laughs> but it was just, unfortunately, one man and his dog watching. But then off the back of that, Paul Andrew Williams, a director, came to one of those shows. I think it was at the White Bear. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me after. He came to see his friend in one of the plays. And he came up after and said, look, I'm doing a short film. Would you like to come and audition for it? And I did. And the short film was called Royalty. And I got the part in it. And then about a year, I think it was, later, maybe two years um, later, Paul made that film into a feature film. And that's how I got my first part in a feature film. It was in um, London to Brighton. And it got made for very, very cheap. Mm. And that's how I started getting screen work. And um, yeah, and then I got like a really uh, small part in a bigger film uh, called Gangster Number One. And slowly, and then um, then I was doing like pop videos and, you know, I started to get little bits of screen work, short films, pop videos, things like that. And some of those... Was that the... It's a really good question. Um, I, I genuinely don't believe there's a winner. No. I really don't. I, like, I could sit here now and I could give you half an hour more mm. on what it, on the beauty of acting on a stage. In my experience, the small stages. To, to act in a fringe theatre where your audience is like two metres away from you, there's nothing more thrilling. Yeah. Uh, or, or let's be honest, frightening, yeah. terrifying. You know. And if you go through that experience and come out the other side of it, I believe you can do it anywhere. If you can do it in the fringe, you can do it anywhere. I mean, it's scary as hell. You'd be doing your Hamlet monologue and you could hear your cousin cough. <laughs> and it's pitch black. You can't yeah. see the audience, but you know that's your cousin, you know. Yeah. There was one player was naked on stage and I just remember hearing something that, uh, and I knew it was my friend in the audience. And you know when you're just like, oh, if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. I think once you've pulled it off there, to, to have a camera in your face, it just isn't that scary anymore. So it, just, it sounds like that... All of a sudden, something just happened. It's like there was a spark and everything just took off for you. The only thing I'd say about that is, is you know, for the pur- I don't know whether I do it for the purposes of interviews or whether it's just a case of trying to be concise or I, I don't know. But in many ways, like it does feel like one thing happened after the other and whatever. You know, the truth of it is, it, is this has all happened over 25 years, yeah. you know, yeah. like and, yeah. uh, and certainly that first period would have been over a period of like 10 years. But mm. there are people from those fringe theatre days um, like I say, Paul Andrew Williams, people like that. Um, Michelle Greenwich, who, who was a student at Morley College, uh, we did our first kind of short play together. She's just worked with Steve McQueen and she's doing wow. amazing things. Yeah, Michelle's going to be coming into the college and talking to the mm. students and um, she's doing phenomenally well. What I'm saying is, is people I met in those days, yeah. people I was doing pop videos with and mm. uh, uh, Adam Smith, it's just like a phenomenal director, you know. Like, and the reason I know all these guys now is not because of some network club that we were all in we were all just grafting in fringe theatres uh doing anything we could you know uh to to get on screen yeah. adam adam cast me we used to do videos for the streets and things like that so that's where i kind of got my breaks if you yeah. like you know yeah because I, I mean I'm, I'm quite interested in like how you in your drive in those earlier days because i'm a mature student yeah. and um i grew up in the 80s and hated school and then sort of discovered that i love acting I always had like a musical background and then sort of steered away from that and focused more on my acting. But I found it quite challenging going back into education again. And I, I just wondered how how you, like in those earlier days, sort of continued on that, that motivated drive to like pursue your career. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know. Like We, we, we were talking earlier, we did a, another interview um, with Robert Elms and I, and we were just yeah. talking about London and whether London is an influence on you. And, um, and I thought long and hard about that as a result of that conversation. And, you know, I think London, like, it's where I grew up, so I can't say it wasn't, you know. But yeah. I, was, I remember being kind of angry and scared of certain 
elements of London, as well as what I now look back and see as wonderful things. But, you know, and that drove me, if I'm honest, wherever you get it from, you've got to get it from somewhere. But do you, do you think there was more opportunity then for you to succeed as an actor? I don't know. It's I, and, and what's interesting is, especially because it's what we're doing right now, is that when you do interviews, invariably you try to pick out the parts that worked. Mm. Like, you know, for, for purposes of time alone, you know, you, you, you kind of go, well, this happened and then that happened and then that happened and then that happened. Yeah. But the truth of it was, was there was a million setbacks yeah. along the way. There were countless times where, and I would say this to skink kids out there, you know, like because often, you know, class it invariably gets brought up. I'm not sure why, but it just does, and that's that. So there's no point bleating about it. But the point is this: is sometimes my um, relative poverty of a, an upbringing, if you like, you know, by London standards, you know, growing up in in that kind of um, social demographic, it kind of worked for me. Mm. There was no real pressure on me to make money. You know, like my family didn't really have money. You know, my, my I, I never had a family of my own. You know, I was kind of, you know, single. Um, so I know this isn't helpful to everyone out there because some people do have families in that. But wherever yeah. you're going to get that drive from, you're going to need it is the tough answer here because it's a tough business. Yes, yeah. And, if, and again, this is to keep uh, a divide between the beauty and the purity and the wonderful things about this as a craft, mm. which everyone should have a go at as far as I'm concerned, because it's just a lovely, expressive, cathartic yeah, form of, yeah, you know. Um, but if you are going to try and pursue it in one way or another, whether that's to, you know, it's a vocation and you're just driven to absolutely drive at it because you want to tell stories. And So firstly, I'd say, like, know, know why you want to do it. You know, because otherwise there's no real purpose and there's just too much competition. You know, you're, you know, there's plenty, plenty of people out there who know why they're doing it and what they want to do and why, what it is they want to tell, what it is they want to get out of themselves. You know, yeah. and then secondly, you're going to have to find that drive from somewhere. For me, it came as uh, maybe it was like a, a, a running away. Maybe I don't know. It, it's evolved over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm acting now for different reasons as I was when I was younger. But it felt for me like there was something that I had to get out. You know, and, and I, I guess I was scared of. You know, there was no other ways I could really see of um, of making uh, a decent living and stuff, uh, rightly or wrongly. So wherever your drive comes from, you're going to have to find it and, yeah. and use that as your engine. And, uh, you know, and I just wish wish you luck with that, really. Well, it it's seems, seems like you found your vocation in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm lucky, yeah, you know, yeah. like if you get to make a living and you're only as good as your last job, I might be, yeah. you know, working in a restaurant in next week. You, you just never know with this business. But yeah. what I will say is, it's with places like Morley College and things like that where you can come along and study it and, and see whether it's for you. Mm -hmm. If you've got a little inkling in your belly and you're thinking, I think I might have something to say here, I might then come down and give it a go. It's a safe place. I fell on my face here. I loved it, you know, and um, yeah, I look back now and I do realise um, for all of the setbacks, for all of the knockbacks, for all of the tough times where you want to give up, there were amazing, beautiful times. And I look at my times in this college as the best of my life. I really do. That's really nice. Wow. nice Thank one. you very much, Thanks, Johnny. Johnny. Cheers. Thank Thanks. You. Brilliant.